0: Welcome to the Provest Perspective with Noel Swain, CFP, and host Pamela Lyda. Noel is an investment advisor with Cambridge Investment Research and has been interviewed many times on NPR. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready for some straightforward, honest talk. Now, here's Noel Swain and host Pamela Lyda.
1: Christmas. We would like to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas. You know, during the Christmas season, many people mainly think about two things, family, and most importantly, Christ. After all, Christmas bears the name of Jesus Christ. So in honor of Christmas, today on The Provost Perspective, we're going to discuss the importance of legacy planning, as well as what Christ has to say about the subject of money. Hello, Noel.
2: Hello and Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. I know that on Christmas Day, which is my birthday.
1: Yes, and happy birthday, uh, Nate. <laughs> Thank you. You kind of get forgotten sometimes, uh, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I
2: know. I, I used, when I was little, I'd get a present from somebody to say, Merry Christmas and happy birthday. <laughs> so I do feel like I missed out on my birthday sometimes, but my wife has been very good about separating Christmas and birthday. So anyway, I like to fix a meal. I have my children and their families and my in-laws over, and this year we've invited some cousins and things. My house dining room isn't big enough for 15 people, so I turn my garage into a dining room. I call it my redneck dining room, and I have a meal out there. We have ham and turkey and a bunch of fixings and tea, and we just have a great time out there. And it is a wonderful time. It's a wonderful time to enjoy each other's company and take several tables and make a big square so we can all sit around and face each other. Just a great time. And my wife doesn't like doing that, And she said, well, if you want to cook on your birthday on Christmas, are you crazy? But I'll let you do it because it's your birthday. And so I get up and I do the cooking and get everything set up. And then when it's all over, then my wife will help clean up. But You know, we all pitch in and take everything, and we usually eat on paper plates, so we don't have all that stuff to do, but it's a lot of fun. So I hope that today we have a special program planned for you. We're going to be talking about family. We're going to be talking a whole lot about family. And then we're going to be talking about what the Bible has to say about Christmas. I've always called the Bible the ultimate self help book. And What the Bible says about money is so important. And so we're going to be talking about that a little bit and sort of tying that into investments and how they work and things like that. So I'm ready to get started whenever you are, Pamela. So let's get going.
1: Here's a question that I want you in the audience to ponder. If you could talk to your great grandmother and great grandfather about their life, their values and their wishes, wouldn't you want to? So don't you think your great grandchildren might want to know the same thing about you? So as you're sitting around the Christmas dinner table or around the Christmas tree, I want you to think about that question. Really think about that question. And Noel, can you share why you're so passionate about this subject of legacy planning?
2: Legacy planning, if you really think about it, it's pretty simple, not complicated. Just write some things down. Like I said, I like to write letters to individual people. A few years ago, I wrote a letter that encompassed my wife, my children, my grandchildren, and all my brothers and sisters. And I talked to them, and I just told them what they meant to me. I said, I don't want to leave this earth and them not knowing how I feel about them, them not knowing how much I love them and how much they have meant to my life throughout my life. And if you tell them, that's one thing. But if you write it down, If you tell them in a letter, and it doesn't have to be poetic, and it doesn't have to be beautiful prose or anything like that. Just say, I'm thinking about you. You I love you. and You mean the world to me, and I love it when you did this. And going back to my mom, and I didn't know this until just a few years ago, but my mom wrote a daily journal. She had diaries from years and years and years past. And I was reading her 1989 diary. And that was the year my son was born. And I got to read from her perspective because that's when we stayed in the hospital. You know, you didn't have the baby and go right home. You had to spend a day or two in the hospital. And my mom showed up the next day. She and my stepfather were in Florida. And they drove up from Florida to Greenville where we were in the hospital and surprised us. And it was so neat reading about what she did from her perspective and reading about what was going on in her life over that time. And what I found out more than anything else was that she lived, she honestly lived to talk to her children. Now, I'm one of seven children, and she'd write it down every day when one of us would give her a call, and she'd talk about what was mentioned. And, of course, she got more calls from the girls than she did from the boys, But I got really, really embarrassed as I was reading through it because I didn't see my name in there nearly as much as I should have seen it because I didn't call my mother. I thought I was busy. I wasn't too busy. I thought I didn't have time. I should have taken the time, and that really bothered me, and I don't want to get to the end of my life you know, in any other way and have my children not think that I was communicative enough not knowing how much I loved them. So, yes, legacy planning is a really, really big thing.
1: And I think it's great, too, when you handwrite this. It means more, I think, when they're reading it in your handwriting, not typed off of a computer and spit out. So I do want to sit that in. When you're writing those stories, really write them down. But, you know, I recently began working on my family tree and learning more about where I've come from, where my great-great-grandparents came from, and where they lived and how they moved here. It's just been really fascinating for me. And I don't really have a lot for my ancestors or, you know, anything like that. But I do treasure the things that I do have, whether it's a very old picture of my grandpa, a table that he made with his own hands, my grandma's favorite necklace, anything like that just means the world to me. So whether it's a family heirloom, a story or even a photo sharing your legacy, it could prove invaluable to your great-grandchildren as well as all of your great-great-grands.
2: Yeah. Legacies are about more than just how much money you have, than your wealth. For a true and successful legacy strategy, Allianz Life Insurance Company tells us there are four pillars, and each of these four pillars are critical. These pillars are, first, values and lessons. Second, instructions and wishes to be fulfilled. Third, personal possessions of emotional value. And finally, financial assets and real estate. One of the greatest barriers to legacy planning is personal discomfort with the topics of inheritance and death. In fact, a written will was the only type of legacy or inheritance planning that had been done by most baby boomers, according to that insurance company. When most people think of leaving a legacy, they think of financial assets or a last will and testament. While those can be important, it's not the most important. And inheritance is not owed to children, but I believe family stories should be. Although you might be uncomfortable discussing the one-dimensional topic of leaving an inheritance, you may embrace the idea of leaving a legacy. Family legacy encompasses more than material possessions. It captures all facets of an individual's life, including family traditions and history, life stories, values, and wishes. Family stories are very important for preserving family history and memory. So as you're sitting around the Christmas dinner table, think about how you can leave a legacy behind. What stories can you write down and share for your family? You may think you or your story may not matter, but it really does. It's just what Pamela was saying a moment ago. If you could talk, have an hour with your great-great-grandfather or great-great-grandmother, wouldn't you want to do it? Have a conversation with your great-great-grandchildren. Have a conversation on paper. Write it down. Leave it for them. If you have any doubt, remember that question that Pamela just posed. It's just important for you to know. I guess I'm getting a little emotional about this because it really is meaningful. And I do try to write things down for the people that are our clients. They know about this because I write a Christmas letter every year. I've been doing it for gracious 25, maybe 30 years. I write a letter to my family. To my clients, it's one letter. It's two pages, two typewritten pages, and it's what happened during the year in my life and my family's life and what we did and where we went and who we met and what we saw and just the things that we did. It's just so important to do that. And sometimes I go back and I read from letters past as it. Man, I hadn't thought about that. I didn't remember that. And I really did do it. So anyway, get down a piece of paper and a pencil and start writing. And write somebody that you love
1: a letter. So while you're with your family, think about what you can do to leave behind a legacy. It's simple and it's easy to do. And we think it would be treasured for generations to come. hope you're having a wonderful Christmas. You know, this is the time of year that we think about Christ coming to earth as a baby in the meekest of ways in a lowly manger in Bethlehem. Well, during his short life here on earth, he had a lot to say about money. So we're going to spend the rest of the show today discussing what Christ's thoughts are on money. Noel?
2: So how does the Bible teach us how to have a healthy relationship with money? You know, we live in a culture that tells us Having more is better. Our tendency is you want a bigger house and your phone and more expensive possessions. If we're trying to find our happiness and money, you know, we'll never be satisfied. Before we can steward what God gives us, we need to have a healthy relationship with the money that we have. Christians are called to contentment with what God has given them in each stage of life. Matthew 24, you know, he talks about you cannot serve God and money. And what it says is, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he else will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and man. That means he can't serve the greedy pursuit of wealth. That is so important because I've heard a lot of people say they'll do anything for money. And there's a lot of people in this world that will do just about anything for money. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. Our job is to help people build wealth. Our job is to show people how to, very legally, very ethically, build their wealth because wealth does provide some freedom. It does provide options. And that's something that we look to. But money is not everything. 1 Peter 5 and verse 2 says, Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. This is to say, don't be greedy for money, but be eager to serve. That is so important. And that's something that we talk about so much when I'm talking to individual clients is, you know, our job is to talk about money when someone comes in. That's what we're going to be discussing. But we know, we know it's not the most important thing. The important thing is not to lay up your treasures on earth, but to lay them up in heaven. So anyway, I think that having a biblical perspective on money is so important.
1: Yes, and in Proverbs fifteen twenty seven, we learn that he that is greedy of gain troubled his own house, but he that hateth gifts... Shall live, and that gifts is to say bribes. So it again preaches on the importance of not being greedy, not taking bribes, you know, doing it in an ethical way, because it's not a sin to have money, it's just a sin to love money. And then, of course, in Ecclesiastes five ten, God warns his people that he that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also his vanity. And this is to say that whoever loves money never really has enough.
2: Can you imagine that? I mean, we all know people that they've got plenty, maybe even rich people, but they're still stingy. They don't have any charity to them. They don't give to their church. They don't give to charities. They try to accumulate it all because they're never satisfied. Christ tells us how to properly steward what has been given to us see scripture reminds us that god ultimately owns everything here on earth our job is to responsibly steward the resources that god has given us we also have the opportunity to bring god glory through the ways that we manage our finances and james chapter 5 verses 4 through 6 we learn to pay what we owe to others Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, cryeth. That means people that work as laborers, but they hold some for themselves. That's fraud. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Seboeth. Ye have lived in pleasure on earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth resist you. What that means is that you are to give a man, if you're working for him, you're to give him a day of labor for the day of pay that he gives you. And you are not to take anything else. One time had a client that owned a convenience store, and he had to put cameras in his store because he saw how the people that he had working for him would steal from the cash register. They would steal from his store. And he didn't know it was happening, but he had to put cameras up, and then he had to fire some people because that's what they were doing. You know, First Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 tells us to provide for our household. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So you don't get to sit around and do nothing all day. You need to get up and you need to work. And you know what? God put in us a satisfaction when we do a good job, when we labor, when we do work for the earnings that we make.
1: Proverbs 2 and 5 teaches us a similar lesson in that, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty only to want. So as you think about being diligent, you know, and you stay with it, sort of, you know, you get a bounty of plenteousness. But if you're lazy... I think that means plenty. Yeah, that's a fancy way of saying plenty, right? <laughs> but if you're not going to do anything, you know, you're going to kind of have empty baskets. That's sort of the way that works. And... Dishonest money dwindles away is the lesson that we learn in Proverbs thirteen eleven. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase.
2: You think about the people that are drug dealers. Do they ever have enough money to retire or are they always going to be drug dealers? And does it ever end well for those people? The people that sell drugs on the street, first of all, they're doing something that they shouldn't do. They're doing something that hurts people. They're doing something that is bad for the people that they're doing it to. And then they get the money and they don't know how to hold on to it. I've never had a drug dealer client, at no, least, God, God at least that I know of.
1: God warns us that it will dwindle away.
2: Yeah. So in these Bible verses about managing finances, we see some main principles God blesses those who make money through honest work rather than sinful practices. God calls us to pay back what we owe and help those who have helped us. It's wise for us to plan, thinking through how we'll make money and then spend that money. And then saving money can help us set up for future financial success.
1: Another lesson that Christ teaches us on is how to manage money in times of abundance. You know, it can be easy to fixate on our wealth in this uncertain world thinking it can solve our problems. And wealth can be a gift from God, and we can use it to bring Him glory when appropriately managed. In times of prosperity, God calls us to be generous and ready to share with those who have less. And by being generous and rich in good works, we store up the treasure of a good foundation for the future. In 1 Timothy six seventeen through 19 it says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. And this is to say, don't fix your hope on the uncertainty of riches. Now, honor the Lord from your wealth is the lesson that we learn from Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Yeah.
2: Now, Christ tells us how to trust God in times of financial need. And, you know, we all go through that. I've been through it. Pamela, you've been through it. We all go through those times. In Philippians 4.19, it says, God's going to supply your needs. It says, quote, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 28, it says, If then God so clothe the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, ye of little faith? And in Psalms 81, 10 It says, I am the Lord your God, who brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. See, in the Bible, there are many accounts of God providing for those in need. We see God provide food for Israel in the wilderness, for Elijah during a drought, for Samaria during a time of famine. We also see God providing money, healing, comfort, and protection in times of need we aren't promised that god will give us wealth and riches but we see in these bible verses that god will supply the needs of his people
1: so if we're good stewards of the money god gives us by providing for ourselves by not being greedy and giving to others god will take care of us in our time of need Christ also gave us some lessons on saving, investing, and even on debt, and we're going to discuss that now for the next few minutes.
2: While we are to put our hope in God, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be planning ahead for the future, saving and investing and diversifying our holdings. It's important in life when you invest to get good advice from others. Without it, your plans are much more likely to fail. Here's what Proverbs has to say. Proverbs fifteen twenty two. without counsel. Purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors they are established. Proverbs 19.2 says, Also that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good. And he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. In Proverbs 12.15, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. In Proverbs 18.26 it says, He that trusts his own heart is a fool, but whosoever walk wisely, he shall be delivered. And finally, in Proverbs 24, 6, it says, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in multitude of counselors there is safety.
1: So I think it's important to know that God really encourages it that we get good counsel in anything that we do and of course that's what here at provost are if you have any questions about anything you know we're always here for you but another thing that the bible talks about is planning ahead it makes it clear that it is wise to work hard and plan for the future don't get called unaware because you failed to plan ahead and if you plan on retiring from your chosen profession someday make sure you plan ahead and invest for retirement so what does Luke fourteen twenty-eight through 30 tell us about planning for which of you intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have had sufficient to finish it less aptly after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it. All that behold, it began to mock him saying, this man began to build and it is not finished.
2: <laughs> yeah. And we find several verses in Proverbs about the importance of planning. Now, what we looked up is in the King James Version, and so I'm going to try to modernize it a little bit as I go along, but Proverbs 13:16 says, every prudent man deals with knowledge, but a fool lays open his folly, and that means that if you're prudent, you have the knowledge, you have the wisdom, you build wisdom, but if you're a fool, then you're going to think you're doing right, to give you a little Example, one day I was doing some counseling of a fellow that we were working with a 401k on. And the guy came in and he had been at another place and he'd come to work there. And I was talking to him about signing up for his 401k with his new company. And he said, Man, he said, I took that money out and I bought me a brand new blazer with it. He bought a Chevrolet blazer. He took money out of something that was meant for his retirement that would appreciate in value. And he bought a depreciating asset that I'm sure, because of how long ago it was, that blazer is probably now in a scrapyard somewhere that has no value whatsoever except its metal content. This guy, who was a fool, was wise in his own eyes. Proverbs 6, in verses 6 through 8, says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Which means, you know, look at the one who was working, you lazy person, and consider the ways of the worker, which, having no guide, overseer, no ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Yes, you don't want to be left out in the cold. You want to lay your provisions up for the winter because winter's coming. In Proverbs 16, 9, it says, A man's heart plans his ways. But the Lord directs his steps in Proverbs twenty-seven, twenty-three, it says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to your herds. And Proverbs twenty-four, twenty-seven, prepare your work without and make it fit for yourself in the field and afterwards build your house. They say and do what it takes to prepare before you build the house that you're planning.
1: Planning for things is important. Even God is saying here, even the aunt who doesn't even have a boss knows it's important to plan. And, you know, you don't sit down and build your house or build a tower without a plan. So if you're wanting a retirement plan, it's important to do it first. You can't just hope that it's going to work out. Yeah,
2: there's a lot of people that come to us and they say, I want this before I die or something like that. And we have to help them put a date on it. And we have to help show them what it's going to take to do it. Recently, a pastor came to me and he wanted to know what it was going to take to have a certain amount by the time he gets ready to retire when he's around 65 years old. He's 42 now. And so we worked together to come up with that and how much he was going to have to put aside more than the church is putting up for him. But he was going to have to come to the conclusion of how much it was going to be. And he got my help to do that. And we set up a savings plan for him to do that. That's planning ahead. That's planning 23 years ahead. But he couldn't do it if he was planning two years ahead. So you have to do these things way in advance. You know, you lay up your provisions for the winter, not in the late fall, but in the spring. That's how you do it.
1: You know, the Bible also talks about saving up for a rainy day, as Noel was just saying, and that putting your money to work and multiplying it is a wise thing to do. Now in Proverbs twenty one twenty we hear that there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wide, but a foolish man spendeth it up. And this is to say that the wise man stores up choice food and olive oil, but the fool gulps theirs down. Proverbs 21, 5 says the thoughts or the plans of the diligent tend only to plentiousness, but of everyone that is hasty only to want or that's to have need of. So those that plan have plenty. But those who don't plan tend to be in poverty. So, Noel, what does Christ tell us about saving and planning in the New Testament?
2: Well, Christ had a parable that he told, and everybody has heard of this parable. And this is the parable of the talents. And it's a fairly long read, but I'm going to go through it just so you'll know what it says. And this is verses 14 through 30 in chapter 25 of the book of Matthew. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them another five talents. And likewise, he that had received two also gained another two. But he that had received one talent went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came back and and reckoned with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought another five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strode. I think that's strewn. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth Lo, this talent that you gave me, I hid it. The Lord answered unto him and said, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not strewn. You ought therefore to have put my money to exchangers and then at my coming I would have received mine own usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto the servant that has ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Lord expects you to go out and earn. He expects you to go out and use your talents to improve the world and to become faithful in it. That's what you should be doing, and that's what he will bless you for if that's what you do. And I think it's a lesson that we should all learn because there's a whole lot of people that are scared. You know, we see people that come in here, and they pretty much put their money in something that will not grow because they're afraid of losing it. And the idea, and that's what we do, is we help people invest their money in such a way that it does gain another more talents. It does pick up, or it has the opportunity at least to pick up. And so that's what we're trying to do with the work that we do for our clients is giving their assets a chance to grow and become more so that they can provide more when this person is ready to end his work and start his retirement and do the things that he really wants to do.
1: And then in First Corinthians sixteen two, Christ tells us, "Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store which is savings, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come." And in Proverbs thirty twenty four and twenty five, it teaches us about the importance of saving. There be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The ants are a people not strong. Yet they prepare for their meat in the summer. And we, the second time we've heard about the ants, but you know, they are a little, little tiny creature, but they're smart enough to know they need to store it for the winter. And mm-hmm. think God is really trying to bring that lesson home to us that we do need to prepare for the future.
2: You know, Pamela, none of us knows what's going to happen from one day to the next in our lives and the lives of those around us or in the stock market. As a result, we are best served by diversifying our holdings. To protect ourselves. In James 4, verses 13 through 15, the Bible says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell, and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, ye shall live, and do this or that. Which means we don't have that much time. You know, we work for the time that we do have, but everyone that's listening to me now, I'm sure, have wisdom about them, and they know that our time is limited. And so we serve the Lord while we're here, because our ultimate retirement is in heaven. And then Ecclesiastes 11, two, the Bible says, Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. And that's to say, invest in, in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. And that's about diversifying. That is a verse about not putting all your eggs in one basket. And that's what we help people do, is diversify. And so... That's where we are today, and, and that's why we think it's, it's important for people to know that's what we're doing.
1: And when we engage in business and when we invest, we're called on to be faithful and to deal justly, invest ethically, and in a way that doesn't harm others. Now Christ instructs us in Luke 16.10 that he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much, and he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is is unrighteous also in much. And some great proverbs to go along with this lesson. Proverbs twenty eight twenty A faithful man shall abound with blessing, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent, and that is to say go unpunished. Proverbs sixteen eight says Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. In Proverbs twenty two sixteen, the Bible says. He that oppresses the poor to increase his riches, and he that giveth to the rich shall surely come to want. So I think it's pretty clear that it's very important to be ethical about what you do. Don't stomp on the poor man, the lowly man. God will bless you in the end if you go about things the right way. I think that seems to be the lesson that we're getting Yeah, at.
2: I think so. And you know, Christ had several things to say about being in debt, too. In Romans, he said, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. In Matthew, it says, Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. You be generous with people. And then in Luke, it says, But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of, Of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. In Proverbs, we also have some great lessons on debt. One of the verses says, Be not thou one of them that strike hands, or of them that are sureties of debt. If thou hast nothing to pay, why should he take away thy bed from under thee? And then in Proverbs 22, it says, The rich ruleth over the poor. And the borrower is the servant of the lender. And that is so important about the borrower. And we've said that many times. If you have a great big mortgage on your home, and most of us do, if you have that mortgage, then you are at the mercy of the lender. So it's important that you work very hard over your years to pay off your debts. I think having no debt is the ultimate freedom.
1: Right. I think Christ was pretty clear that he's not big a debt. You know, the society has sort of pushed us into a situation where debt has become prevalent. But, you know, Christ has had a lot to tell us about money during his lifetime. And he stressed the importance of saving up for the future and how investing and diversifying was also strongly encouraged by Christ. He also warned us against having debt, but he advised us that if a brother needs money and you can to happily give it, expecting nothing in return. As we reflect the birth of Christ our Lord who came to us in a lowly manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Let's reflect upon the lessons he's taught us. While there are many great uses to money, we must remember not to hold dear to it. Because as 1 Timothy 6.10 says, the love of money is the root of all evil. As you're with family sharing gifts with one another, spending time together around the tree or the dinner table, Remember the importance of passing down stories and values to the next generations. Perhaps you can work on that today. And never forget the many lessons that Christ, who came to the world on Christmas Day, taught us during His life on Earth. And let's do our best to apply them to our life. We hope you have a wonderful Christmas, but until then...
2: Don't just invest. Provest. Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hill And everywhere Go tell it on the mountain
0: That Jesus Christ is born Go tell it on the mountain Jesus Christ For more on the ProVest Perspective, we'd love to hear from you. Call us at 800-277-0025 or visit theprovestperspective.com. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Provost Wealth Advisors are not affiliated. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Investing involves risk. Depending on the types of investments, there may be varying degrees of risk. Investors should be prepared to bear loss, including total loss of in principal. Indices mentioned during this broadcast are unmanaged and cannot be invested indirectly. When we state that we're investing in the S&P 500, Russell 2000, and other indexes, we mean that We invest in funds that mimic the index, not the index itself. Diversification and asset allocation strategies do not always assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investing regular amounts steadily over time, dollar cost averaging, may lower your average per share cost. Periodic investment programs cannot guarantee profit or protect against loss in a declining market. Dollar cost averaging is a long-term strategy involving continuous investing, regardless of fluctuating price levels. And as a result, you should consider your financial ability to continue to invest during periods of fluctuating price levels. Tax-free withdrawals or tax-free income referenced are dependent on terms and conditions that vary based on the product or investment selected. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., registered broker-dealer, member FINRA, SIPC.